and good day. Eh? Welcome to the Super Good Camping Podcast. My name is Pamela. I'm Tim. And we are from supergoodcamping.com. We are here because we're on a mission to inspire other families to enjoy camping adventures such as we have with our kids. Today's guests are a pair of absolutely awesome people, which seems to be the norm for the people we've met in the outdoor adventure community. They hail from Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, Canada. They escape civilization at every opportunity and often do it in a canoe while experiencing the breathtaking beauty of Northern Ontario. They rack up plenty of hiking mileage and occasionally get out to their off-grid cabin. Nature, adventure, creating art. Welcome Jay Case and Sherry Tuck from Beauty of the Backcountry. Woo, welcome. Hey. Hi, hi friends. Guys. Thank you for having us. Oh, oh thanks for thanks coming. Thanks for coming out. We're excited. We're longtime listeners. Yes. Ever since we met, you guys, uh, we've been just, we have your episodes just sort of going when, when we're driving to a camp, a camping trip or driving to work sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So we, we were lucky enough to meet uh, Sherry and Jay at, uh, after the outdoor adventure show here in From Toronto. 2023, because yeah. we don't know when this one's going to episode, so we're going to get in the air. <laughs> Maybe next year around that time. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. And I mean, we met all kinds of people at the show, which was a, just an amazing thing. And we just, uh, I, my mind is still blown. Not that it takes much. And it, it felt it, I don't know, for me, if sitting there ha having a beer, wings, whatever, it, it just, it felt like a very great connection right away. Just like, oh yeah, we're totally, we love what you guys do. And it's taken forever to get you here because you're so busy being outdoors. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We don't have many friends here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not jealous at all. Uh, what have you guys been up to lately? What's, what's, what's been new and wonderful in, I guess it would be the spring. Oh no, yesterday. No, today is the 21st. This, this so summer started today. today. Okay. Summer so su started summer started yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. What's your spring yeah. been uh, for 2023? Oh, it's been interesting. <laughs> it is. We've had, we've had a little bit of uh family issues, so it started off slow for us, but um, it ended up plans got changed um, and it ended up for the best. I mean, we did a, we did a really nice, um, we canoe locally on the river just for our mental health break, which is nice. And it's just around the corner for us. And then we did a beautiful um, four day trip on the sand river, which is located in Lake Superior provincial park. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we, we get out as often as we can, but more recently we've had uh, some, we've been having to travel more than we typically do. And so we haven't been able to get out. So we had to move this trip. And when this is being recorded, tomorrow we are driving north. Uh, we live on Lake Superior, but we're driving north on Superior for five and a half hours to start a 170-kilometer trip that we were supposed to do last month. So just we were supposed to do it just before bug season. Yeah. And now we're doing it right in front right in of bug heart. season. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we it's like to, yeah. sorry. It kind of worked out okay, though, because we were planning end of May to do this trip, and apparently the lakes were still frozen. Oh, so no kidding. We ended up doing a four-day, like, closer and had a great trip there. Yeah, I was. I, we reached out to John from uh, Lost Lakes and just asked him, because he lives in Marathon, which is near um, where we are starting our journey, and he's done the loop a couple of times. And he, I just said, Hey, how are the conditions up there? And he actually just happened to go out in his vehicle a few days before 
to just check conditions. And he's like, no, no, there's ice still on the lakes. So at the time we had planned, we might have we might have run into some adverse conditions, more adverse than initially thought. So it, it worked out, I think, well. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, yeah. yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, I saw him duck out post post knee surgery recovery. Uh, he just he just went off and did a, like a down a logging road kind of a deal. And I saw him pulling up snow. I was like, what? I'm yeah, yeah. watch going, okay, down here in Toronto. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Yeah. Up, up there it's on the great. North tip of superior, it's a bit, a bit of a delayed onset of spring. And that's, we had reached him just after he had finished that little trip. And uh, so he was kind enough to give us a couple of alternate options. And, but we ended up just moving it to, uh, to this, this week, this week coming. Mm-hmm. So walk us through your trip. The trip upcoming. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's exciting. So it's called the Steel River Loop, and it's been made sort of famous or infamous, as the case may be, <laughs> by a few different authors and a few different YouTubers, actually, as well. Uh, most notably, I would say, like, Kevin Callan's got this uh, wonderful book. It's our little Bible. It's the uh, <laughs> a guide to uh, Ontario's lost canoe routes. And so because we we tend to like to get off the beaten path and into the – we don't mind bush bushwhacking we don't mind um unkempt portages and things like that so that and cliff jacobson is another guy who, who's done it a million times um but we you start just sort of east of terrace bay off the shore uh the north shore of superior in this big huge lake called santoy lake and the very first thing that you do after paddling about six kilometers on santoy lake which can be a pretty windy windy time is you do what's called the Diablo portage. And for those of you who don't know outline Espanol, Diablo significa the devil, right? So it's, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a hectic portage apparently, but it goes into Diablo Lake. So hence the name, but it's, it's 1200 meters, but it's apparently just straight uphill and a real challenge, let's say. <laughs> without the use of expletives that we will be it's, using yes. <laughs> when we start the, I'm almost certain we're not safe. Absolutely. So then from there, it's 170 kilometers. So you go about 70 kilometers of lake travel with about uh, 10 portages sort of strewn between, and then you hit the steel river and then you start your sort of southward travel. And then there's some white water and rapids and uh, it's famous for its log jams so uh, which change seasonally so there's not really established portages around log gems it's uh more of a bushwhack which is fun how do you so how, so is that what you how you deal with log jams you you bail out you find a way a route on ground around and then jump back in again wow yeah absolutely like some sometimes some log jams are there for long enough that there can be a somewhat um permanent route around it but yep. Typically, they're pretty transient, right? So, yeah, you just hop up, you you check the terrain of what's next, like which way the river bends, so you can find your shortest route to the next sort of spot <laughs> of river. And we did this a lot yeah, on was, the Nishtagani River. I was going to say, we did the uh, Ranger Lake loop last summer. and last Spring, yeah. Um, ran into a lot of log jams coming down the river. And literally, we went from one side of the river that was like, tangled in alders we couldn't get through at all so we went to the other side of the river and jay literally carved a new 
portage so that we could get around the log jam the log jam so we are not strangers to log jams <laughs> but it can get intense <laughs> it can get intense and i'm going to say slightly demoralizing at times yeah, yeah. but we we love it that's our challenge we push ourselves like that's what we like to do like we have a saying it's like do hard stuff there's a different word at the end but i think you can it also starts with an <laughs> You can surmise what we're saying, but we say that we say that it's like because we just like to push. We like to to do things that are difficult because at the end of the day, when you're sitting around the campfire, you're just like, man, and we're high fiving. And it's if we have the energy, we may not get a campfire this time, but (laughs) yeah, good ones still be high fiving. And it gets you to places where not as many people can get. So you get the experience also of being somewhere that's remote, solitude and remoteness. Yeah. Yeah where maybe nobody has ever been before yeah exactly it's on in the case of some of these log gems it's it's entirely plausible yeah cool uh I, on the note of camping just as a quick side you you mentioned you just bought your first yes. gas powered uh like a, huh. a what yeah what did you buy and what <laughs> made you choose that particular gas stove Oh, that's a good one. I'll let Sherry take this because she did the shopping on this one. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Like generally we use a BioLite stick stove, which we love. And we recently just got a Sue Look stick stove, which we have yet to try out. But yeah, we like to have as little garbage as possible. So the propane um, gas stoves we've never had to use. We've always been able to do without until now where there's a fire ban. And we do have like a a liquid um, petroleum. It's an alcohol stove. Alcohol stove. But even those are not recommended, I guess, during a fire ban. So what we got was we just got an MSR pocket rocket too. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, you it, guys know the you guys know the stove? Yeah, I have the same one. Ah, oh, okay. Okay. So it's good. We haven't even tried it yet. We should try no. it. We'll try it after we leave tomorrow. We should try it. You and should. It, it, it was okay. like it was budget friendly. It was budget friendly and and we will probably go back to the stick stove. We really like the the less um garbage. It doesn't uh, impact as much the environment. Although we're afraid we might be spoiled by the speed at which it might boil some water. <laughs> it says it boils a, a liter of water in three and a half minutes. So that would be unprecedented for us. It's yeah, it's wicked fast, uh, no issue there. I would have one positive and one suggestion so that actually one negative one suggestion the suggestion <laughs> get a wind stop of some type right okay because that makes a huge difference when it's blowing you're yep. going to move and and it's it's a tiny platform to try to balance whatever it is that you're boiling on it okay that we i i went one year and went okay no more and we oh. we, we got the wind block for it a shroud um, okay the other thing is yes for, for if you're boiling water like in your in your little kettle or or in a pot or something like that no problem because the water disperses the heat pattern in it yeah if you're cooking a steak in your fry pan your steak's going to cook like this big of a pattern just, i get it saying you've got to go as low as slow as you possibly can and sometimes you're still picking it up moving it around understood uh, so it we'll is making efficient but it's very small pattern to it that is a really that's really good, good advice. advice both of those pieces are good advice maybe not super intuitive so that's great i we don't typically we we dehydrate most of our food our own um so it's mostly just boiling water in order to rehydrate our food so the steak thing 
shouldn't happen on this trip unless we drop our food bag in the water and we have to kill we, something to eat it. I don't know. That's probably not going to happen. We dehydrate as well, but the, okay. but the big kid and I usually drag something, something like big, you know, meaty and potatoes for the first, and stuff night. For the first night. Exactly. And yeah. and bacon for the next day. And then, yeah, we're into the dehydrated stuff. Do you have, oh, a, favorite, do you have a favorite dehydrated rec- recipe? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. What's, what's our favorite? We, we just, we just love to cook. We cook most nights of the week. And then, so sometimes we just go, like, Ooh, that's a really good one. That would dehydrate well. So I'm going to say for mine was one time we had a pulled pork that we, so there's a, a a local meat market in town here that live, it's just a kilometer from our, from our home, like a five minute walk. And it's called city meat market. And they pre pre marinate this porchetta roast. And so we just, every now and again, we'll spoil ourselves and buy that and just cook it. And then if you, if you just pull, uh, you know, a pound of it or something like that, dehydrate it. Then when you rehydrate that, it's absolute magic. Use the extra water from that to make uh, those, uh, powdered potatoes. <laughs> oh, great yeah. idea. Life changing. Yeah, it's so, so good. And then obviously add cheese. Obviously. And then it's, yeah, like my, I'm salivating right now. <laughs> no, yeah, no so drooling. I think, <laughs> no, it's unbecoming. The camera adds, yeah, yeah. that'd be mine. What's yours? I think, I think my favorite, we do like a chicken Thai peanut recipe with rice that's really nice in the back country it has the peanut butter flavor and we add peanuts into that and it rehydrates really well but chili is literally the best rehydrated meal like it rehydrates the best and it tastes the best like veggie chili specifically yeah but but i think in the back country everything tastes better like even <laughs> instant coffee just tastes so good back there <laughs> so I, I totally agree yeah uh, curiosity why why veggie chili as opposed to meat chili yeah meat meats just don't rehydrate as well so what we'll typically do is they don't rehydrate at the pace of a vegetable let's say so like we just keep our meats separate so we'll do like okay here's a, a couple of pounds of of <laughs> roast or not roast beef sorry ground beef which people call gravel because it's like the worst of the worst in terms of rehydration so we'll do that and then we'll we'll rehydrate that and then set it aside and then rehydrate the chili and then put the beef inside of it. And then it's somewhat, we did that on our Sand River trip and it, it just, yeah, meat just doesn't rehydrate as well. It doesn't reconstitute as well. I, 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 up until the time I bought Kevin Ride's Backcountry Eats book, I would totally agree with you. It was, I, I never had a good experience with it other than doing like jerky was fine, but trying to do ground beef or something was just terrible. Gravel is, is the exact word to use. <laughs> he's got, he's got a technique where you, it, it's about, it's about rinsing, like literally kind of hot water boiling after you've cooked it, but getting all the, all of the oil off and then dehydrating it. I'm telling you, it, de- it rehydrates just like it, it would be if you made it in your kitchen, period. This is interesting. We have that book. We love Kevin Ride. We follow him and we have that book. I didn't realize about, so you're probably washing the fat. Exactly. The residue that's, fat that's off the of, Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. So you know, maybe a, a strainer. We should just read that book again. We both <laughs> skipped over that part. We interviewed him. That's when I went, but I already have the book. Oh, I, d- I didn't notice that either. So <laughs> <laughs> He should 
put that in bold in second edition Very much so. seven. Put that in bold <laughs> because I missed that. <laughs> it's all good. We're learning as we go. Yeah. It, how boring would it be if you don't continue to learn? Like what's what's kind of what's the point, right? I'm doing the yeah. same, same. No, no, no good for that. Exactly. If you know what to expect around every corner, it's like, why are you even doing it? Yep. Although I don't, I don't want to bushwhack. I, I just, I'm. <laughs> I was gonna say somebody really likes to plan and know what's around every corner. Yes, I, yeah. I, I try. Uh, I would. Yeah. <laughs> you do your best, right? But even the best, the best laid plans of mice and men, as I say, like, no matter how hard you plan, something's gonna come up and gonna surprise you, and it's about being prepared for that and like how you deal with it in the moment. Yep. And we just, we just love doing that. I say we love doing that. We love doing that later. After yes. we've done it. I use bad words when it's happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Retrospectively, it's just like, wasn't that fun, honey? Like, wasn't that three kilometer portage single carry? Wasn't that super Oh, was that fun? awesome? Yeah. It was like, no. Story that's going to make. <laughs> yeah. I think we got great footage of it, said we. <laughs> okay. Perfect segue. So, so you guys, you guys have a, a amazing uh, YouTube channel. Uh, post all kinds of cool Instagram stuff. The newest thing that I've been watching of yours is is your drone shots. And tell uh, tell me how you. Well, again, how did you choose that specific drone, and how how it's opened your artistic palette, maybe for for doing for doing video stuff. Yeah. So. I guess I'll field this. Sherry, Sherry's still too nervous to to run the drone. Right I don't now. want to break it. <laughs> I, whereas, I whereas I don't have a problem almost breaking it, <laughs> which we can go through several times. But um, so we chose the DJI Mavic Mini 2, um, which it was not the newest at the time. So it was a little bit less expensive. Yep. Uh, the, the, the Mini 3 was out. Uh, so it, it was a little bit more affordable for us. And uh, so one of the reasons we like the mini is because it's under 250 grams, which is the cutoff point at which it's considered an aircraft. And therefore you have to register it with the Canadian authorities or whatever. And not, not that we're like, you know, off grid, whatever, but uh, it's like, we just less headache. We don't want to have to, you know, do, do any paperwork basically to go camping. Yep. So, um, but with that, comes some of its challenges, which are no object avoidance or obstacle avoidance. So the machine itself doesn't know where it is in space. So you have to, the operator, <laughs> when the operator is a rank amateur, it uh, it, it can be interesting. <laughs> so a few weekends ago on a, a, a river trip, we have a river that's nearby that uh, is super close to my heart and Sharon, I love it so much. We take a trip at least once a year on this trip down this river and we had stopped at a beautiful island campsite that we like to stop at and i was trying to i've got a bunch of beautiful shots and we have some of the shots on my instagram and actually or our instagram and actually this is uh, one of the things that's on there is i was trying to get a sort of like a, a side slipping view of this beautiful island and i was just looking at the screen and not looking at where the heck our drone is and it ran into a cedar <laughs> And then just literally just popped around that cedar and plopped into a raging springtime river. Oh, cool. So we were pretty sure, are we? So Sherry's walking. I was wandering around checking out rocks and frogs. And and I heard this weird buzzing noise ahead of me in the cedar tree. And then I saw the drone just like drop into the river. And I was like, oh. <laughs> oh and here I am running up river now, like trying to boulder hop. 
ripping off clothes, knowing I'm going for a swim and then jumping into the water and Sherry's going, no, it fell here. No, it fell here. So it was still like on when we picked it up, but here's to DJI. We just sat it out. We took the battery out, sat it to dry for about a week. Didn't run it for about two weeks. We just fired it up yesterday. And we all good. Oh, excellent. We got lucky. But um, I I know that Jay loves the extra dimension of the drone shots in the videos. It's an extra depth. That's a beautiful way to use that dimension because it's like, okay, everything is pretty hyper-local, whether you're focused on your, your own self or something immediately in front of you, or if you're like seeing wildlife, you're you're zooming in on it to try to get a clear shot of it but then to add that extra depth that extra dimension of panning back and and seeing the landscape landscape shots are just magical and you don't have to climb up a mountain in order to get them right so it's it's so so nice and i think i was saying offline sherry is really really good at keeping me from when we edit just editing in a tiny, it could just be all drone shots for me because I'm I'm still enthralled with that view that you cannot get unless you're a bald eagle or in an airplane, right? A helicopter pilot or something. Or yeah. A helicopter, yeah. yeah. So it's like that's cost prohibitive and biologically prohibitive, <laughs> respectively, right? So, um, but just getting that extra dimension of shots and even just for fun to see it. I just watch our drone footage of places we've been a few times. <laughs> I just drone footage like our own neighborhood just to be like, oh, that's a cool view of this. Or that's a so nice. So cool. Without yeah. being intrusive. But without <laughs> being intrusive, I'm, I never I hardly ever look in my neighbor's uh, windows or hardly, hardly ever. ever. Yeah. yeah, A respectful amount. <laughs> when you when we think back, like our first our first video was just last spring that we did a yeah. trip around the Ranger Lake loop. And we did that whole video using our phones. That's all we had. Yeah. We didn't even have GoPros at that time. So nothing even waterproof. So now we have our phones, um, our GoPros and then the, the drone. And then we have the um, Canon. We have a nice Canon, Canon uh, D- like a DSLR. DSLR yeah. 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 So we're growing, we're having fun. We're learning. We're growing and then sometimes we shrink. So I noticed it was uh, distinctive. You said GoPros. Oh. <laughs> but we only Uh-oh. have just one now. So, because when we were at the um, Paddlers Co op uh. uh, a couple of weekends ago, we were on the white water and learning how to sort of navigate um, pretty torrential white water. <laughs> There's a place called Jessup Chute. And they, sort of this is where you learn to turn into and peel out of of rapids and stuff. And we dumped, we only dumped two times the entire weekend and we didn't take it easy, but we dumped <laughs> two times. And the first time we dumped, I had a GoPro on my helmet and it just, so we lost that sucker. It wasn't a lot of footage we lost, which is more important. The footage, the memories is most important, but. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. looked like a, I've been watching uh, Riley outside. has been putting up some of that stuff. Who else? Uh, might have been Christina, and I think uh, Evan Lefebvre has, has put up a, a very small one that I caught yep. of his, and it's like, uh, I'm I, I'm terrified of white water, but maybe that looks fun. <laughs> it look, under the right conditions, right? So Sherry yeah. can speak to that because she's been pretty. The re the reason for the trip is that um, we've ended in some rapids, not like probably class one or class twos, by accident. And I actually have a huge fear of water, believe it or not. And it's hard for 
it's hard for me to trust Jay just like I trust Jay, but it's hard for me to learn from him because he's my partner. So when the opportunity came up for us to take a course, I was like, I think we should do this. I think we should do this and dump in a safe environment so that I can kind of get over the fears that I have of the water. And I think by the end of the weekend, I was like, let's do that again. Like (laughs) we did, we had fun. I felt safe. The water was warmer down on the Madawaska (laughs) than it is. Way down down this way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and we also met like some fantastic people and our instructor was phenomenal. So yeah, it was a really good weekend for us. A lot of driving, but worth it. Worth it for sure. <laughs> yeah, eight hours of driving there on a Friday after work. Showed up after dark. Everybody was there already in sort of like relaxed mode around the faux campfire. And then, yeah, eight hours of driving after after a day of whitewater paddling was like, that was a long drive home. But yeah. it was okay. We saw three moose and one bear. Cool. Yeah, all all in. No, not all in. So the three moose were in Algonquin Park on the highway. We've seen more moose this year in Algonquin Park, and we haven't camped in Algonquin Park than we've seen <laughs> in the wild north uh, bush. So yeah, yeah, that's wild. Yeah. So we definitely we would definitely uh, recommend the Paddler Co-op in uh, Palmer Rapids. It wasn't super expensive and everybody's just really cool, really chill. You can camp right on site. It's a great community that they have there. And it's, it's awesome. Very accessible. There's no, um, it's not like they throw you over a waterfall to begin with. It's, it's very, it's step-based and, uh, and it's great. So, yeah. Yeah. We, we, at the outdoor adventure show, we had a chat with, uh, with them about that. We're trying to get them onto the show. It's a matter of when they when they've got time, but but just I, I, man, I want to say we probably spent about half an hour just yakking with them, and and is a great vibe. Sounds like a really cool thing. And if anything was going to lure me out to some white water, it's probably probably those guys. Yeah, that's that's what uh, that's where we got. We've been looking for like a while, and the 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 next closest one would be like Hap Wilson out in um, out in Tomogamy. Yeah, he runs a, a course out that way as well. So we were like, well, eight hours here or eight hours this way. But then, yeah, Riley grabbed us. We had expressed interest. And this is the thing that they always say that Riley always says about um, themselves. Like, I'm an instigator. If you mention that you're interested in something, <laughs> I'm going to like make you follow up on that. I just like sort of poke you. So they just reached out to like this group of people who showed interest and just poked and poked and poked and put together a really great weekend. And we had a, an absolute blast. And I think we still don't want to dump because we're, we like to get way out in the, in the forest and there's consequences to dumping your gear and your canoe when you're 80 kilometers from the nearest highway. But, uh, but maybe we're a little bit less nervous if we do, we know that things can be okay. And yeah, I think we picked up some really good skills and um I, we generally use common sense out in the bush, but she it's generally ni- does. It's nice. <laughs> it's nice to have those skills. When you mentioned in your upcoming trip, there may be some white water. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I'm going to say the back half uh, has probably, which is the river portion, has probably a day and a half worth of worth of some white water. The last bit of the river is pretty meandery, and that's where you run into the log jams. So they'll present 
their own unique challenges. The white water is like, okay, if it's, you know, low water, are we smashing off of boulders or are we lining or what are we doing? But then with the meandering section, it's like every corner you round, at least for me, every corner you round, you're kind of wincing going, is there a kilometer long log jam here that we have to portage around and bushwhack portage around? So, yeah, we're, we're, we're really looking forward to it. And actually, that's one of the things that we were thinking about. We recently purchased a Royal X canoe. We, we've historically had a an Algonquin style swift canoe, which is very much a flat water boat. There's no rocker, meaning there's no difference in height between the bottom and the, and the bow and the stern. And that is certainly not a whitewater boat. Don't take it anywhere near whitewater. If you get any sort of standing wave, it's coming into the boat. Um, so we've got a Royal X canoe and now we're debating, do we take the Royal X canoe because there's 15 portages on this route, give or take. That's a heavy boat to lug, man. It's a 65 pound boat. And I just, I just double carried for the first time, or we just double carried for the first time in our lives. Um, just doing the sand river trip that we did in Lake Superior park. And that was a learning curve, like learning how to like, not just power through everything like an ox in a in a china shop but uh so yeah I, but my goal our goal my goal is to to single carry the diablo portage and we will report back by the time this video airs we're getting pretty slow with our uh editing so this might air before our <laughs> documentation of, of our route but um yeah, my goal is to do the Diablo Portage single carry with the pack and the canoe, um, and we'll see how that goes. So twelve hundred meters, essentially straight up. Thomas and I did one. Oh, in Killarney, and it wasn't. It's not that bad. It was. It was. It was up and then down, but not not the Diablo. We got to the end of that, and and it was. I think it was a little bit longer. I think it was around sixteen hundred fifteen something. We got to the end of it. Thomas puked. Like, oh, gee. Oh, God. That's awesome. So, so that's, that's like testing those limits, right? It is. But you, but I, because I want him to continue to be my, my backcountry partner, <laughs> we've backed off. We double carry and stuff now. Yeah, I don't yeah, care. Yeah. No, but I mean, it's cool that one, that moment yeah. of like, okay, that's my limit. All right. Well, we'll just, now we know what that. the limit is. We're going to back from down from that. Yep. Fair. Yeah. How heavy are your packs? Oh dear, we're so oh, bad at this. Pamela. No, yeah, great question, Pamela. I am working <laughs> on getting them. I thought you guys were really like tweaking that, no? Oh gosh. We're trying, yeah. but but the lighter the weight of anything is like the expense quadruples. Yeah. So we're slowly working on it. We just got some um sleeping bags that are like half the size of the ones we had. So I'm super excited about that. But then I keep adding in clothing comfort this is so yeah. generally i think my pack is probably 60 or more pounds and sometimes it's like it's probably between 50 and 60 pounds in shares and mine's probably the same or maybe a little bit more i've got 115 liter for our canoe trips so we have like backpacking yeah. backpacks and we have uh, canoe tripping backpacks so our dry sacks shares is a 65 liter yeah and uh, so, yeah, I can get up upwards of 50 to 60 pounds, which is no joke because she typically carries the food and some of the heavier stuff just because her pack is a bit smaller. And then I've got this and Brutus. I literally call it Brutus because it's 115 liters. 
So it can get it can get really heavy. But I think the the max I've had it at is about 70 pounds. And that's when we carried uh two bags of wine with us and a and and a liter of whiskey. Always a bad idea. So that's right there, 25 pounds just in <laughs> And that was a year ago. We're much smarter now. We don't we don't bring booze into the backcountry anymore. Yeah. And we don't bring extra. Like I think our most luxurious item are our um, camping chairs, and we really really like having those in the backcountry. We like the back. It's nice to, at the end of a day to sit down and have something to lean your back on. Definitely. But I mean, we don't pack extra food. We dehydrate. We like I literally pack by day and menu like I don't just throw in a bunch of food and say hopefully we haven't like I'm very like specific because I don't want to carry extra so we're working on getting lighter packs but it it, it definitely <laughs> you have to save up for that like it's it's um the lighter that you go the more money it seems to cost so we're slowly we're getting there trying to get lighter I'm working on a lighter tent next <laughs> <laughs> she's working hard on it okay. Yeah, uh, I totally, totally agree. I, we, who do we, uh, I think it was, no, it was, it was somebody on one of the cool quest uh, live casts and, and it was a back backpacking duo and they got custom packs made and it, and it, I think it quartered the weight of the packs yeah, but the number I can't. My brain refuses to retain the number that they said <laughs> the packs cost. Just because I went, okay, that's the end of the yeah. conversation. <laughs> no, thank you. Sorry, I'm done. Uh, Bye. Yeah, okay. they love the packs. They're all they're bomb proof. They're they're amazing, and they're they're so light. Like it saved them so much weight. But nope, I I would yeah. just make more of the weight go in the kids pack, and then we're fine. <laughs> Make him puke twice as hard at the yes, end of the see, next portage. You're going to puke. You might as well carry a bunch of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Now, who, who was it? Was it uh, Henry Thoreau or someone that wrote about you pack when you pack for a trip and then you come back from the trip, all the items you didn't use, don't pack those the next trip. Anything you didn't pull out, contingency items, we'll call them. So it was actually Stuart Edward White okay, is sorry. the author from uh, yeah back in the early 1900s. And yeah, it's like anything that's contingency that you take that you didn't even pull out of your pack or you pulled out and put right back in, never pack the next time. But he said every time you re like go on a new trip, you end up sneaking that stuff back in because you're like, I might need that. <laughs> so last time doesn't mean I won't need it next time. Exactly. This is the <laughs> thing. And that's why it's so difficult because the unknowns. And so Sherry is trying her best <laughs> to sneak her rain suit into... Uh, her pack, um, and I'm going to try my best not to let that happen. <laughs> but we'll see. It's a push and pull. We'll put it in the car, and then when we drive to the put in, we'll see if it makes it. Does it come out? Yep. No, yeah. that's a fair. That's a fair yeah. deal. I know that uh, we uh, the rain suit's a perfect example. We because I've got a, but it it's heavy as all get out. But it's it's great because I can we can paddle all day we've we've traded off for for ponchos because we can spread them out it covers our legs and stuff like that i get a little sweaty inside of it or whatever but it does what we need it to do and it weighs you know a, a quarter a third of the of the weight of yeah. the rain. yeah good one i always find that rain suits unless it's really expensive like gore-tex that breathes it doesn't breathe so you're just as wet inside only it's your sweat so i'm like i just wear a really light uh base layer and it's just like 
whenever we get to camp and you're under your tarp, you're in your tent, whatever, within 10 minutes, you're dry again. And you didn't have to lug that gall darn <laughs> rain suit around. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. All right. That's it for us for today. Thank you so much to Jay and Sherry from Beauty of the Backcountry. Check them out on YouTube and Instagram. And, and Instagram. And otherwise, check us out on YouTube and, and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And we will talk to you again soon. I'm still Pamela. That's my line. I'm, <laughs> I'm Tim. And we are from supergoodcamping.com. We will talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye.